the spy who loved me and me and you and you oh and you over there the amish we're going to talk about that tonight and garth brooks canceled ha welcome to the jay sheldon show happy tuesday it's a tuesday second day of the week great to have you along for the ride thank you we hit 80 i know it's not a big number but it's great thank you so much right over there is a follow button if you just click that it's free and it costs you nothing it means a lot to the show it really does it means a lot to me and uh, i appreciate that thank you so much for hitting that follow button i really do it does help all right so we got lots going on tonight and we'll get right into it now with the miko update our little furry friend miko who is uh, who is three and a half years old you'd never know it she acts like a two-year-old you know we were thinking about this three and a half means she's like 25 26 something like that in in people years i i I guess she was doing this whole refusing to eat thing again today. She's doing fine otherwise. Had a great couple of walks, uh, one early this morning, one uh, tonight. But she's just been having this weird thing with her food lately. She's got kibbles. She can graze on that whenever she wants. But then we give her a couple of times a day, we give her a a wet food meal, canned food. And uh, she just will refuse to eat it. Even if we, you know, we've been trying to break her with a hand-feeding habit, it doesn't matter. Even hand-feeding. She'll sit there and just kind of stare off like, I know you're trying to feed me, but I'm not going to deal with you right now. (laughs) So anyway, I don't know. She's just temperamental. That's how she is. We learn to live with it, and we love her anyway. Our Miko update brought to you by BarkBox.com. BarkBox.com slash Miko is the link. You use that, M-I-K-O, when you want to get yourself a free month of BarkBox. BarkBox is a monthly subscription service. Every month, delivered right to your door, a themed box of treats, toys, and goodies for your dog. He or she will absolutely love them. I promise. They, in fact, have a 100% happiness guarantee. If your dog or you aren't happy with anything, get a hold of customer service. They'll make it right. BarkBox.com slash Miko. The link is in our show notes. And below that link is another one, special limited time offer. If you'd like, instead of the free month, you can get a free dog bed. Three different sizes to choose from. They're comfortable. They're delicious looking. They're absolutely gorgeous. Check it out. Links in our show notes for BarkBox.com or BarkBox.com slash Miko if you would prefer to uh, to have that. All right. We've got a lot going on tonight. A lot going on tonight. And we will, by the way, get to our, uh, our book, 1984, from George Orwell, we're reading. And uh, yeah, but first of all, it's the spy who loved me or not. Bombshell allegations. This is from redstate.com. About special treatment, Feinstein and Swalwell's Chinese spy sagas got from the FBI. This story just broke. Journalist Jerry Dunleavy just dropped a huge scoop in a Twitter thread uh, that he got from former FBI official in the counterintelligence world on the spying dramas. Y'all remember Eric Swalwell slept with Fang Fang, the Chinese spy, and Senator Feinstein, who was like a thousand years old and really should know it's a, the best example of what why we need term limits I can think of is Feinstein. But uh, her driver wound up to be a Chinese spy. He'd been a driver for her forever. Well, the source not only provided some new details about the cases, but also revealed exactly how politicized the FBI's handling of these cases were. In Feinstein's case, Russell Lowe, U.S. citizen, ethnically Chinese, worked as a staffer for Feinstein. He would also be a representative for her to the Asian American community. Christine Fang, or Fang Fang, as she's 
affectionately known, was a Chinese national who got uh, very close to Swalwell. Uh, She even became Facebook friends with members of Swalwell's family. But there was a problem. Christine Fang and Russell Lowe of the Feinstein Saga were believed to be co-optees of the Chinese Ministry of State Security, the CCP's intelligence and secret police agency. They were specifically interacting with and speaking to MSS 12th Bureau, a CCP spy bureau with heavy influence on uh, foreign influence, rather, operations, political influence. Well, what happened was, basically, the FBI torpedoed the investigation into both of these cases. Not just one, both cases. Feinstein, they chose to give Feinstein and Swalwell defensive briefings because they are both on the intel committees. Well, that's a reason for them not to be on the intel committees. According to the source, the FBI believed, based on evidence they'd collected, that Swalwell and Fang had a sexual relationship. Swalwell always uh, refused to confirm that. Uh, How would the FBI know this? Well, according to the source, the FBI had FISA surveillance on Fang. They believed it had also been targeting other politicians besides Swalwell. So, a lot of her actions, communications were monitored, recorded. And if they've got recordings, you can just imagine what they must have collected. While the FBI didn't think that she herself was a Chinese intel officer, they did think she was a compliant tool for them. (laughs) The source also said the FBI opened a public corruption case on the Swalwell matter, and he was the subject. And they were looking into any possible illegalities like foreign donations, bribery, you know, all the good stuff. But... Swalwell was never charged with anything. House Ethics Committee ended their investigation on the matter. Unbelievable. When it came to Lowe from Feinstein, the FBI had been looking into him for a long time. Opened a case after he met with a Chinese intelligence officer in San Francisco. And according to the FBI source, he also met with intel officers in China for years, as well as other CCP officials in California when he worked for Feinstein. Believed to have discussed a number of topics with the Chinese intel officers working as Feinstein's staffer. And according to the source, including Feinstein's views, U.S. politics, international politics, U.S.-China relations, the FBI investigation into Lowe moved very very slowly for a few years. That FBI investigation eventually moved from being a counterintelligence case to a counter-espionage case. And the FBI legitimately concerned with what Lowe was up to. But, here we go, just as the FBI was getting ready to finalize the effort to get a FISA surveillance warrant on Lowe, It was stopped at the last minute. Just shut it off. The initial approval to search Lowe's home, uh, the source said that it was called off when then-FBI Deputy Director Sean Joyce instead decided to give Feinstein a defensive briefing in the latter half of 2013. Anyway, the FBI interviewed Lowe and just stop the case. And that was it. That's all. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. Don't be worried about anything else. It's just... What? As if, like, you didn't know how corrupt the FBI was and the Department of Justice. Speaking of the DOJ, it is bad enough that they have set the precedent of filing charges 
against a former president, which has never, ever been done in this country, in all nearly 250 over years of our history. These left-wing communist maniacs charging Trump, and it's going to continue. They're not going to let go of this crap. Well, now, remember we did the story about Gall Luft, the missing whistleblower? Now, not only are they charging former presidents, they're charging whistleblowers. Yeah, the DOJ has criminally charged Gal Luft, the missing whistleblower who was providing information on Biden's China dealings. So his competition in his uh, bid to uh, run for president again, and now a whistleblower who's given up the deets about his China dealings. So arrest him. Attorney for the Southern District of New York announced charges against Gall Luft on Monday. He's being charged with FARA violations, arms trafficking, violating sanctions, and making false statements to federal agents. Luft provided information to the FBI back in 2019 about the Biden family's dealings with China. He also recorded a video just three days prior to his charging decision accusing the DOJ of ignoring his information and instead using it to go after him personally. And now they have. He was set to meet House Republicans to provide testimony as a whistleblower. Luft has maintained his innocence of any criminal activity, claiming the DOJ is simply targeting him as a way to keep him quiet about Biden's corruption. You think? I mean, how more blatantly freaking obvious can this, these idiots be? Biden, the DOJ, FBI, just in your face, they don't give a crap. You saw the latest thing, didn't you? The federal judge has said that no, the federal government cannot spy on you censor you, your tweets, your posts. The federal judge decided that. And you know what the Biden administration is doing? They're appealing the decision. Let that sink in for a second. A federal judge said, nope, you can't do that. It violates all kind of amendments. You're not allowed. And now... The Biden administration is appealing the decision so they can censor your free speech. They are appealing it. If that, in a nutshell, doesn't tell you what this damned administration is like, I don't know what does. Un-be-freaking-leavable with these people. It just doesn't stop. And they don't care. They just stick it right in your face. They absolutely do not care. Incredible. Here's another one. This one's from the uh, Gateway Pundit. U.S. tech giant. <laughs> this is great. A U.S. tech giant hired, employed a Chinese spy. Speaking of spies, fang fang, low. They gave him access, not just a little bit, vast access to databases. And guess what's happened now? He's gone. Yeah. Spying isn't always the James Bondy type spying. Sometimes secrets fall into the wrong hands through industrial espionage. For instance, U.S. federal authorities say former Apple employee, yeah, Apple, Wai Bao Wong took with him confidential Apple material regarding self-driving cars when he resigned from Apple and joined a startup owned by Baidu, a major Chinese tech company. He's 35 years old. He's been indicted by a federal grand jury in May. 
He joined Apple as a software engineer in March of 2016, worked with the Apple team that designed and developed hardware and software for autonomous systems that can uh, have a variety of applications, including self-driving cars. And according to a press release from the U.S. Attorney's Office, the Northern District of California, uh, I guess it's Wang. Wang left Apple after about a month and in November 2017 took a full-time job as a staff engineer with the U.S. subsidiary of a company headquartered in the People's Republic of China. China. And allegedly was working, no surprise, to develop self-driving cars. <laughs> His current LinkedIn site still has him employed by Apple, even though he is not. U.S. Attorney's Office didn't name the Chinese company that Wang allegedly stole secrets. Uh, Reuters last year identified Wang as an executive of Jidu, the electric vehicle subsidiary of Baidu. Wang's mention by Reuters was in a June 2022 story of Jidu developing a self-driving compact car. When he left Apple, Apple identified Wang as having accessed large amounts of sensitive, proprietary, and confidential information in the days leading up to his departure from Apple, which means likely he was doing it on purpose. Knew he was leaving, gathered up, sucked up as much possible information as he could, and then headed out the door. Smart move, Apple. Very nice. How are you doing on vetting your potential employees? Hmm? You might want to think again about that. Just unbelievable. All right. Hey, you know, we did a story not so long ago about, uh, we've done several stories actually, about the, uh, the, the film, uh, The Sound of Freedom. And I wanted to share this with you. It is from the um, the the woman who runs uh, Gays Against Groomers. A very powerful, powerful message. I cannot stop plugging this film because you must see it. It's done incredibly well. Some 14 over million dollars at the box office. Let's double that. Let's get it to 28, huh? It is loaded with truth bombs. Transing our kids, teaching them to hate their parents, sends them right into the hands of human traffickers. What the Sound of Freedom is all about. This is a massive grooming project. And you are either against it, in denial, or you just refuse to see it. Take a listen to this. Over 500,000 children that we know of go missing every year from the United States alone. And did you know that one of the biggest child trafficking operations happens during the Super Bowl? Slavery is actually worse today than it's ever been, even when it was legal. But a lot of people aren't ready to face that fact. That would mean acknowledging the role our government is actually playing in child and human trafficking. That would mean acknowledging the whistleblowers that are talking about high-profile individuals who purchase children. That would mean acknowledging that Jeffrey Epstein is not the only one, and his island is definitely not the only one. This has been going on for so long that these perverts are actually bored and ready to evolve and update their game. And their new focus just happens to be trans children. And in fact, the government is currently funding gender-affirming care and gender ideology and pushing highly sexualized materials on children that are as young as five years old. And people are either in denial or they don't care that books like Gender Queer and This Book is Gay that has actual porn in it are being pushed on kids and found in libraries by 11-year-olds. This is extremely distracting. They're not ready for this. It's too mature. And it's, it's like no one cares about innocence anymore. They're trying to get rid of it as soon as possible. Kids are being taught that their bodies are wrong. Biology is wrong. They can just divorce their bodies. It doesn't matter. It's just a sack of meat. And this is highly enticing for predators. So many of you don't realize that by advocating for youth liberation, you're siding with NAMBLA. 
You might not want to believe it, but the truth is there are special interest groups funding every aspect of our society to brainwash the youth in a way that benefits child and human traffickers. They're saying it's all for acceptance of the LGBTQ, and that is a lie. Human traffickers want trans kids because it's their new fetish, and keeping kids on puberty blockers keeps them looking youthful longer, which means that they can be sold more. This is mass-scale grooming, and most of you don't want to accept that. This is why Gays Against Groomers exists. Say what you want about us, believe what you want about us, but we know who we are and what we're up against. Do you. Go see the sound of freedom. The kids need us. Yeah. That is a great group, Gays Against Groomers. Basically, it is a, uh, uh, a group of gay and lesbian uh, men and women who are calling out the rest of the letters in the alphabet, L T G F plus two spirit, whatever the hell, and taking a stand and saying, no, that's not us. That's not what we fought for. Good on you. It's a good follow on Twitter. Check them out. All right, let us uh, move on over to uh, tell you a little bit about one of our sponsors here. Just give us a, a quick second. And that would be Blackout Coffee, of course. Blackout Coffee is just simply the best cup of coffee you are ever going to have in your mouth. Get rid of that brown water crap you've been drinking. Try a real American cup of coffee. They were founded on the principles of conservative values. If the fact that this company makes a coffee that is absolutely hands down the best coffee you ever had, if that's not enough, you got to know that this company supports our conservative values, hard work, personal responsibility, family, respect, traditional American values. They source premium quality green coffee beans. They're grown at the perfect altitude, the right time of year, best soil, harvested at just the right time. They work locally in America with local co-ops and farmers, and they have a strict adherence to small batch roasting. There are certain guidelines for small batch roasting. If you don't follow them, you'll wind up screwing up your beans. They follow them strictly. And... They roast, pack, and ship the beans with lightning speed, usually 24 to 48 hours. It means you get the beans just days after they've been roasted. Combination of the perfect coffee beans, highly controlled roasting process, and immediate shipping gives you, our customers, an elite coffee experience. Like I said, toss out that brown water, go with blackout coffee there's even a dan bongino blend if you want to check that out while you're there use the link in our show notes to check out and get a special offer right now you will get an incredible deal and if you love promo codes we got that for you too use promo code j20 j-a-y-20 my name j20 at checkout for 20 percent. that's huge off your first order at blackout coffee thank you blackout coffee uh, i am so proud to have you guys as a sponsor it is so great to have an american company that supports american values and makes an incredible cup of coffee mm -mm -mm. wow it, it really is I, i'm not kidding i wouldn't recommend it i wouldn't say that if it weren't true it's an amazing cup of coffee and you'd be helping to support a company that supports our troops, supports our first responders. They're just, they're an amazing group over there. All right, the Amish. The Amish, the Amish. Do you know who the Amish are? Most people have at least a small idea as to who the Amish are. Um, yeah, this is what you think of when you think of the Amish. Well, there has been a study recently released that says... Zero Amish children, that's zero, none, have been diagnosed with cancer, diabetes, or autism. Yeah. A comprehensive study has found that no Amish children have had any of these chronic conditions that have a huge impact on the rest of America. Across America, the current population of Amish people is approaching 400,000. That's a lot. The largest concentration of Amish are about 90,000 in Pennsylvania, 
and 60 or 82,000 in Ohio. Amish communities have settled in as many as 32 U.S. states. Families have an average of, get this, seven kids. So, needless to say, the population of Amish is growing fast. They are a group of traditionalist Christians known for very simple living, plain dressing, Christian uh, passivism. They reject most modern conveniences and technology, pharmaceuticals. They maintain self-sufficiency. And the Amish value rural life, manual labor, humility, a submission to God's will, and a view neither to interrupt family time or replace face-to-face conversations whenever possible. Despite rejecting virtually all modern medicine, pharmacological drugs, the rest of American people have been addicted to, the Amish are among the healthiest group in the nation. Slay News recently reported a study conducted by the Vaccine Safety Research Foundation found that COVID deaths among the Amish are 90 times lower than for the rest of America. The main difference? Amish communities completely ignored guidelines from the CDC. They didn't get vaccinated. They didn't wear masks. They didn't have any lockdowns, no social distancing, basically no restrictions. They just kept living like they were living. 90 percent less lower 90 times lower than for the rest of America they didn't avoid catching the virus but as roughly 90 percent of the Amish have been infected with COVID the new comprehensive study presented by VSRF founder Steve Kirsch to the Pennsylvania State Senate it was calculated that for Amish children who are strictly 100% unvaccinated, typical chronic conditions barely exist, if at all. Which many vaccinated children, swaths of Americans have suffered from, these chronic illnesses, side effects of the vaccines, autoimmune disease, heart disease, diabetes, asthma, ADHD, arthritis, cancer, autism, It does not exist, virtually does not exist in the Amish community. You ask yourself why. Think about it. Brilliant. The link to this article and all the details are also in our show notes tonight. You can always find everything we talk about down there in the show notes, and that will tell you all you need to know about what it is we're chatting about and what you hear my ballsy opinions about. All right. Hey, you ready for Ray Epps? No, nobody's ever ready for Ray Epps. We need to go into the Capitol. Into the Capitol. Fed, Fed, Fed. Well, he's back in the news again. January 6th, Ray Epps is suing Fox News for, are you ready? Defamation. Because they claimed he was a federal provocateur. You know, there's how many different videos out there, both before and on January 6th, of him encouraging people to go into the Capitol. And now he's suing Fox News. There's the moron. (laughs) Oh, man, he's filed a lawsuit for defamation. Lawyers representing Mr. Epps and his wife are proceeding with plans to sue Fox for defamation. We informed Fox in March if they didn't issue a formal on-air apology for what? For telling the truth? For playing the videotapes of you? That we would pursue all available avenues to protect the Epps' rights. (laughs) 
Uh, Michael Teeter, lawyer for Epps, sent the network a cease and desist letter asking for an on-air apology and a retraction. After Mr. Teeter didn't hear from Fox, he began to prepare the suit, and that remains our intent. Mr. Epps declined to comment on his potential suit, and a Fox News spokeswoman also declined to comment. Now, that's funny that Epps didn't have anything to say or make any comments because he sure the hell had a lot to say prior to January 6th and on the day of January 6th because he's on tape. We need to go into the Capitol. How many times? How many times have you seen that get cut? And then everybody going, Fed, Fed, Fed. Because he is. provocateur. Whether or not you want to add Fed to that, that's another story. How bad does it have to get when somebody like 50 Cent, you know the rapper 50 Cent? I know you don't know him. You probably don't listen to any of his music. But how bad does it have to get when 50 Cent declares Los Angeles finished? I love this story. It's from Red State. Links in our show notes. Uh, After the no-cash bail was reinstated, 50 Cent said, L.A. finished. There he is. Ever get the feeling Democrat-run cities like L.A., San Fran, Portland, Chicago, New York City, almost trying to kill themselves? Los Angeles County. In late May, a federal judge issued an injunction that reinstated the city's zero-bail policy in response to a class-action lawsuit brought by six plaintiffs who claimed they suffered negative consequences like they couldn't afford bail. Oh, that's the point, you morons. Separation from their families and lapsed medical cover. Look, if you can't do the time, you know what the rest of that is. Please, they're suing for it? Stop playing stupid games. Stop winning stupid prizes. F-A-F-O. In response to the reinstatement of the no-cash-bail policy, rapper Curtis Jackson, whom you probably know better as 50 Cent, ripped into the runaway crime rate in Los Angeles on an Instagram Reels last Thursday. He wrote, L.A. is finished. Watch how bad it gets out there. Shakes my head. Yeah, just like we call all of our stories here. They're head shakers. His short sentence spoke volumes because he knew exactly what he was talking about. Critics of cashless bail says it spikes already out-of-control crime in the no-longer-golden state. Yolo County District Attorney Jeff Rising said a recent study by his office found that zero-bail policies have horrific effects on public safety, and yet you're just going to go ahead and do it. The L.A. County Sheriff's Department said they would enforce the policy. And according to 50 Cent, L.A. is finished. This guy's got a criminal record, including some rather violent convictions. So if he is saying this is a dumb policy and L.A. is finished, you got to know L.A.'s finished. <laughs> I'm telling you. When 50 Cent isn't in your corner anymore, when you lost 50 Cent, you lost Big time. Speaking of losing big time, some people, I just, I can't imagine where you sit in a room, you look at what happened with Bud Light, Target, Kohl's, so many brands that have lost billions of dollars. And you're sitting around either the corporate conference table or you're sitting around your living room popping a couple of probably Bud Lights. 
and thinking, you know, we should get on this train. We should take part in this. Which apparently is what happened with Garth Brooks and his management. I'm sure you've heard the stories. Garth Brooks has now canceled his remaining Vegas shows because why? People stopped coming. <laughs> had no choice, had to cancel the uh, Las Vegas contract, 11 shows altogether, after ticket sales went in the toilet. Nobody wants to see me right now, Brooks told ALLOD correspondent Skip Taluda. I'm hoping it'll pass. All I said was, I'm going to serve Bud Light at my new bar. Well, you freaking moron, do you not read a paper or do you have a Twitter account? He asked Brooke about the a-holes comment and why he would berate nearly his entire fan base. And Brooke said, I didn't see it that way. I was just trying to be fair to everyone. Nice try, Garth. You know, it's a shame, too, because I love Garth Brooks. I'm a big fan of country music. I listen to all kinds of music, but I also love country. I worked in country radio for a while, uh, Wixie 16 in uh, Springfield, Massachusetts. And uh, I, I just absolutely, Thunder Rolls is one of my all-time favorite songs. I love that song. Now, fairness to everyone hasn't exactly worked out for Brooks. <laughs> Had a string of bad luck since alienating most of country music fans. Uh, Nashville Bar lost all of its investors. The grand opening, a huge flop. He was ousted from next year's Country Music Awards. Toby Keith backed out of a show with him in August. And in what was probably the greatest insult, he was booed off stage in Hambrickston, Texas, at the 123rd annual Texas Country Jamboree. And now, canceled all the rest of his Las Vegas shows because nobody's coming. And that surprises you why? <laughs> I mean, honestly. Seriously? Why would you be surprised? All right. I got one more for you. I'm not I'm not going to play the sound cuz there's no point. But <laughs> I got I love you uh, UFO stuff. I'm not calling them what is it? Uh UAPs, whatever the new buzzword is. They're UFOs, okay? They're just trying to take the stigma off the phrase UFOs cuz you know everybody think, "Oh, tin foil hats, you crazy." No, they're UFOs, okay? UAPs, please. Anyway, if you have not heard of this, you're about to hear about it. It's called the Cumbergaz video, and it is a close-up of a craft so close you can actually see what they say are the occupants of the UFO. This has been studied and analyzed by all the best people at all the high-tech CGI factory outlet type places and video analysis people and none of them can find anything that says this video is fake. It is 100% genuine footage and Roger Lear says, I know it's real because I was there when it was filmed. Okay, enough burying the lead. Let's take a look. I, I, let's see if I can... Can I make this... Yeah, here we go. Okay. You see that right there? It's a little tough. It's a little dark. If you blow that... No, if you're, if you're watching the show on the handphone, that's going to be kind of small. It's the best I can do for you, though. But take a look at this footage. This is insane. Look at that. Look at that. And watch right over here. See here in the middle where the little portal is opened? You'll see these two, What it's? I know, it's moving around. It's hard to see. You see there? Right there and right there. What appear to be, and you can, if you, if you stabilize the video, you can actually see these two, what look like, commonly look uh, called grays, 
actually moving around. You can see them moving inside the UFO. This is just absolutely the way. It's from Turkey. 2008. Look at that. That is absolutely insane. And you see? The two big heads in there? That is crazy. Cool, cool video. It's been around a while, but for some reason it's just gotten back in the news. And uh, yeah, that's weird stuff. The link to that also is in our show notes tonight, so you can check that out. <coughs> Excuse me. And while you're in the show notes, digging around looking for stuff to read, there's a link to the J. Sheldon Merchandise Store. You can get things like this mug. This is our old logo. My new mug with the new logo, this one over here, is coming in soon. We got t-shirts and hoodies and baseball jerseys and a little uh, collar for your dog, a little hang bandana for your dog. All kinds of cool stuff. Check it out. Uh, the link is in our show notes. It's the J. Sheldon Merchandise Store. Buy something. Would you help to support the show? Another way you can do that, if you don't want to spend any money, I wish you would, but if you don't, just click that follow button right there. It helps the show out a lot, and we really do appreciate it, and it's absolutely free. All right. One of the things we do on this show is read books, and we've read all kinds of great classic children's books, including The Wizard of Oz, Peter Pan, The Little Prince, uh, Alice in Wonderland. Right now, though, we've moved on to the uh, highly prophetic George Orwell's 1984 Winston got a copy of Goldstein's book, and he's been reading it. Consequently, we've been reading it. And so we continue with George Orwell's 1984. Given this background, one could infer, if one didn't know it already, the general structure of oceanic society. At the apex of the pyramid comes Big Brother. Big Brother's infallible, all-powerful, Every success, every achievement, every victory, every scientific discovery, all knowledge, all wisdom, all happiness, all virtue, are held to issue directly from his leadership and inspiration. Nobody's ever seen Big Brother. He's a face on the boardings, voice on the telescreen. We may be responsibly sure that he will never die. And there is always, already considerable uncertainty as to when he was born. Big Brother is the guise in which the party chooses to exhibit itself to the world. His function is to act as a focusing point for love, fear, reverence, emotions which are more easily felt toward an individual than an organization. Below Big Brother comes the inner party, its numbers limited to 6 million, or something less than 2% of the population of Oceania. Below the inner party comes the outer party, which, if the inner party is described as the brain of the state, may be justly likened to the hands. Below that, the dumb masses, whom we habitually refer to as the proles, numbering perhaps 85% of the population. In the terms of our earlier classification, the proles are the low for the slave population of the equatorial lands who pass constantly from conqueror to conqueror are not a permanent or necessary part of the structure. In principle, membership in these three groups is not hereditary. The child of inner party parents is, in theory, not born into the inner party. Admission to either branch of the party is by examination, taken at the age of 16. Nor is there any racial discrimination or any marked domination of one province by another. Jews, Negroes, South Americans of pure Indian blood are to be found in the highest ranks of the party, and the administrator of any area are always drawn from the inhabitants of that area. In no part of Oceania do the inhabitants have the feeling they have a colonial population ruled from a distant capital. Oceania has no capital, 
Its titular head is a person whose whereabouts nobody knows. Except that English is its chief lingua, franca, and newspeak is its official language. Not centralized in any way. Its rulers are not held together by blood ties or adherence to a common doctrine. It is true our society is stratified, very rigidly stratified, on what first sight appears hereditary lines. There is far less to-and-fro movement between the different groups that happened under capitalism or even in the pre-industrial age. Between the two branches of the party, a certain amount of interchange, but only so much as will ensure that weaklings are excluded from the inner party, and that ambitious members of the outer party are made harmless by allowing them to rise. Proletarians in practice are not allowed to graduate into the party. The most gifted among them, who might possibly become nuclei of discontent, are simply marked down by the thought police and eliminated. But this state of affairs isn't necessarily permanent, nor is it a matter of principle. The party is not a class in the old sense of the word. It doesn't aim transmitting power to its own children as such. And if there were no other way of keeping the ablest people at the top, it would be perfectly prepared to recruit an entire new generation from the ranks of the proletariat. In the crucial years, the fact the party was not a hereditary body did a great deal to neutralize opposition. The older kind of socialist, who'd been trained to fight against something called class privilege, assumed that what is not hereditary cannot be permanent. He didn't see the continuity of an oligarchy need not be physical, nor did he pause to reflect that heredity aristocracies have always been short-lived. Whereas adoptive organizations, like the Catholic Church, have sometimes lasted for hundreds or thousands of years, the essence of oligarchical rule is not father-to-son inheritance, but the persistence of a certain worldview, a certain way of life imposed by the dead upon the living. A ruling group is a ruling group so long as it can nominate its successors. The party isn't concerned with perpetuating its blood, but with perpetuating itself. Who wields power is not important, provided that the hierarchical structure always remains the same. All the beliefs, habits, tastes, emotions, mental attitudes that characterize our time are really designed to sustain the mystique of the party and prevent the true nature of present-day society from being perceived. Physical rebellion, or any preliminary move toward rebellion, is at present not possible. From the proletarians, nothing is to be feared. Left to themselves, they'll continue from generation to generation, century to century, working, breeding, dying, not only without any impulse to rebel, but without the power of grasping that the world could be other than it is. They could only become dangerous if the advance of industrial technique made it necessary to educate them more highly. But since military and commercial rivalry are no longer important, the level of popular education is actually declining. What opinions the masses hold or do not hold is looked on as a matter of indifference. They can be granted intellectual liberty because they have no intellect. In a party member, on the other hand, not even the smallest deviation of opinion on the most unimportant subjects can be tolerated. A party member lives from birth to death under the eye of the thought 
police. Even when he's alone, he can never be sure that he's alone. Wherever he may be, asleep, awake, working, resting, in his bath or in bed, he can be inspected without warning and without knowing that he is being inspected. Nothing that he does is indifferent. His friendships, relaxations, behavior towards his wife and children, the expressions on his face when he's alone, the words he mutters in his sleep, even the characteristic movements of his body are all jealously scrutinized. Not only any actual misdemeanor, but any eccentricity, however small, any change of habits, any nervous mannerisms that could possibly be the symptom of an inner struggle is certain to be detected. He has no freedom of choice in any direction whatever. On the other hand, his actions are not regulated by law or by any clearly formulated code of behavior. In Oceania, there is no law. Thoughts, actions, which, when detected, mean certain death, are not formally forbidden, and the endless purges, arrests, tortures, imprisonment, and vaporizations are not inflicted as punishments for crimes which has actually been committed, but merely the wiping out of persons who might perhaps commit a crime at some time in the future. A party members required to have not only the right opinions, but the right instincts. Many of the beliefs and attitudes demanded of him are never plainly stated and could not be stated without laying bare the contradictions inherent in Inzak. If he's a person naturally orthodoxed, in newspeak, a good thinker, he will in all circumstances know, without taking thought, what is the true belief of the desirable mention. But in any case... An elaborate mental training, undergone in childhood and grouping itself round the newspeak word crime stop, black-white, and double-think, makes him unwilling and unable to think too deeply on any subject whatsoever. Goodness. Scary stuff. That's from Goldstein Book, which Winston is reading right now in 1984 from George Orwell. And we will continue that uh, on our next show tomorrow. So enjoy. Thanks so much for uh, popping by. I really do appreciate it. Don't forget to hit that follow button right over there. It helps the show out. It's absolutely free for you to do. And uh, yeah, love it. We love you and thank you. I will see you again tomorrow.